JB Knowledge Podcast Network. This week's guest, Lee Mills from Pixley. And this week's news, drone swarms, computer vision, wearables, graphene, concrete 15, amp hour batteries, and more. Construction is the world's oldest industry, but spends the least amount of money on innovation. We realized people outside the industry didn't typically associate it with technology like virtual reality, apps, and robotics. We started the Contact Crew. Each week, we bring our listeners the latest in contact news and interview the minds behind the technological innovations changing the way we build. So strap in, enjoy the ride, and geek out. It's Contact Crew time. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. It's like summertime now. Memorial Day weekend. I know a lot of you out there in listener land might just be taking the day off today. It is Friday, May 28th, 2021. I still feel like it's 2020 because we had this like lost. It's called a gap year. Oh, yeah. Don't know what the heck happened. I know what happened. COVID happened. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's nutty, though. Uh, airlines are sold out this weekend. I mean, good luck getting a flight because you ain't getting one. You haven't booked it yet. Uh, hotels are busy. I'm in a hotel right now uh, down here in Houston, Texas. Uh, I'm on the Board of Regents of Texas Southern University, so I've had a lot of fun hanging out with the Tigers here at Texas Southern, and we're down here having some board meetings, and it's always always fun. I mean, no one's really wearing a mask anywhere, and we're all having a good time. Everybody's vaccinated, so uh, it's uh, it's been quite quite enjoyable to uh, to get out and about and hang out with people. Hope you enjoy your Memorial Day weekend out there with me, my illustrious co-host today. He's the man over at Steel Toe Consulting and uh, likes to forge steel. I mean, just forge steel. He likes to melt rock and then bend it to his will. His name is Jonathan D. Marsh. What's up, Jonathan Marsh? How you doing, James? How you doing, man? I'm great, I'll tell man. you what. I'll tell you what. Last night. 11 o'clock at night, I was out in my forge because I was, I, I, I hadn't had time to get out there in a long time. So I walk outside and it's a really nice day. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to work for a little while, just spin out something. So I, I was like, we're going to have a campfire this weekend. I'm going to spin out a couple beer holders and this and that. You know, there's nothing more fun than heating up some metal and making it do what you want it to do. Yeah. You know, like I may struggle with software, but when it comes to metal, you heat it up. Till it's red hot and then you just smash it into wherever you want it to go <laughs> yeah. it's, it's beautiful it's beautiful it, it's like it, it i think it answers a primal call mm-hmm. in our soul to uh <laughs> to bend because you're bending the earth to your will yeah. you know i mean like i took up uh so i decided a couple of years ago that i was going to rack up hobbies and skills that was just going to be my main thing i do my hobby is a hobby of hobbies yeah uh, if that makes any sense <laughs> And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. in, in my 40s now and like, you know, just trying to figure things out, have a good time. And so I picked up jujitsu. And uh, I don't know if you've ever done Brazilian jujitsu, but man, it is intense. <laughs> I'm getting my <laughs> butt kicked. I'm getting my butt kicked. Oh, There's yeah. no punching or kicking or slapping um, in, in jujitsu. It is all two very simple things. And really, it's one simple thing. It's a thousand and one ways to get choked out or submitted. Yeah. I mean, it's what it is, right? I mean, you're going to you're going to either pass out because you lose all air to your brain or <laughs> you're going to or 
a joint is going to be moved in a way that God did not make it to move. And, uh, <laughs> and, and it is, it is fascinating, but Jonathan, I think it's I, like on the same level. It's like primal. Like you're, you're in the middle of wrestling and, uh, you're like, this is it. This you're is you're absolutely in that moment, man. I got a question <laughs> for you, James. Okay. So I, I did judo when I was a kid. And the biggest thing I took away was from judo was I was able to take a fall really good. Yeah. So like, like uh, you fall off of anything and you can kind of slap the ground and you're fine. It's yeah. like, it looks like a little magic trick. So yeah. in Brazil, Brazilian jujitsu where they're really like really in there, are they still teaching that? Are they still teaching? Like yeah. when the dude actually throws you through the air, here's how you land without breaking your back. Absolutely. Yeah. So this definitely fall slap. Um, there's, there's definitely a good bit of work on that. I had a little, I had a little incident where my knee landed right at the seam of the two mats and it wasn't taped and it went right through the seam of those mats to the concrete floor below and that that was unpleasant. i landed correctly but uh i i that was unpleasant but this has been fascinating man i tell you what with us today i think he's out on the west coast is that right lee lee mills that's right san diego represent yeah out 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 in the left coast and uh he he is in my favorite city on the left coast uh, San Diego, which is a German uh, <laughs> name, and um, he 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 uh, he is uh, he, he is this my so I love San Diego, and I've actually been to San Diego since COVID and had a great time. I love San Diego County, and I gotta tell you, to me, the hidden jewel of San Diego County—it's not really hidden, but it's Carlsbad. I just freaking love Carlsbad. Mm. There's just something about mm. that city. That uh, that does it for me. But where are you in? Are you in downtown San Diego, or where are you at? I'm in Encinitas, which is the yeah. town next town south of Carlsbad, and about thirty minutes up from downtown. Yeah, I've, I went out to eat in Encinitas and had, had a great time. I was I was over there doing flight training in November, and you know was trying to explore whatever restaurants were actually open back in November, which was a challenge. Uh, went right. down went down to Encinitas and had a had a, had a great time. So lo- lovely, lovely town that you live in. We're glad to have you on the show today, and again, happy Memorial Day weekend hope everybody's going to enjoy themselves on this long weekend i know i will be because my kids are going to camp that's right they're going to camp they're going to camp i'm loading them up and my kids are going to camp oh man i cannot wait for my kids to go to camp uh that is that is happening uh and uh i mean we got all kinds of things going on this week i got a wedding i gotta take my kids to camp my niece is coming in i mean this is it's gonna be awesome uh, no jujitsu this weekend. I need my back needs to recover. It's all good, man. It's all good. So, uh, let's, let's, let's jump before we get, get to you, Lee, we're, we, we gotta, we gotta talk about a couple of little orders of business here. Business, uh, never miss an episode by having every one of them sent straight to your email inbox. When you text contact to six, six, eight, six, six, it's not just the audio. You're getting the weekly email with the links, the show notes and the articles we discuss, uh, just text contact to six, six, eight, six, six. If you have a question, comment, or a suggestion, get in touch with the crew. And I get a lot more texts. <laughs> I used to get quite a few, but now I've, everybody's been blowing this up and we're having a lot of fun, uh, by texting us the nine, seven, nine, four, seven, three, 90, 40. That's uh, nine, seven, nine, four, seven, three. 9040 uh, with any uh, questions or for the guest or crew, um, leave us a message and we might play it on the show. It's, uh, it, it, it's, it's interesting. Um, I, I got a couple funny ones this week, one of which I cannot repeat uh, the entire thing on the air. Um, <laughs> life is a bleep sandwich, but if you've got enough bread, you don't taste the bleep. 
There you go. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Quote from John. (laughs) That's hilarious. So I had to censor that one out. Um, and, uh, yeah, they're, they're all, always enjoy, always enjoy all of the, uh, all the texts our listeners sent in. That was the funniest one. I, uh, they came in the middle of the night and I just started rolling on the floor, man. I was, I was laughing. Um, so if you have any questions, 979-473-9040 and our cause of the show, the thing that I, I am really passionate about, according to the CDC, construction occupations have the highest rate of suicide as well as the highest number of suicides across all occupational groups. To combat these statistics, contractors, unions, associations, industry service providers, and project owners must work together to stand up for suicide prevention. The Construction Industry Alliance for Suicide Prevention is raising awareness about the risk of suicide within the industry and providing suicide prevention resources and tools. To create a zero suicide industry, visit preventconstructionsuicide.com for more information. Before we get started with our interview, I did speak with Roger Yarrow, CEO of TrueLook, about their construction cameras. Here's my conversation with Roger. And I'm here with Roger Yarrow, General Manager and COO at TrueLook. Uh, Roger, good to have you on the show. Walk through what exactly TrueLook does and what makes it so unique and different as a construction camera offering. So TrueLook is a construction camera technology. And basically what we allow you to do is document your site, interact with it in real time, and provide a wealth of uh, construction management integrations and other tools to help you Uh, remotely manage your job site. Every user on our camera is going to get live HD video. They're going to get unlimited custom time lapsing with HD imagery. And everybody gets 24-7 security recording uh, with intelligent motion alerts. This is all in one flat rate with unlimited users, free lifetime hardware warranty, and then unlimited data all included. And then on top of all that, you get free forever cloud storage. You can come back years later and access that data anytime. It's a valuable tool for documenting your project. You just launched a 2.0 version of the TrueLook application. Let's jump straight in and talk about this. Basically, what we've noticed is a trend of one person managing multiple projects with multiple cameras on them. So we, we took the whole experience and thought about that person and we built a whole new dashboard to help them engage with all these projects and all these cameras through one new fluid experience. At the same time, it's gonna let them uh, manage all these projects much more simply. So we're really excited to get this off the ground. And we are back. Before I get started, I just wanted to to put an ode out there and uh, don't don't laugh guys. This is gonna sound like a joke, but it's actually not. I have 11 animals. Uh, I love all of them equally. I love all of them, whether they're small or large. And if you have animals, you understand what I'm talking about. You love every living creature in your house if you if you love creatures. And I've got three dogs and two chinchillas, and I got two uh, guinea pigs, and I got an African pygmy hedgehog. I got two fish. I've got, and with the smallest creature I've got was this uh, hamster named Bambi. My daughter named him. Bambi. And uh, we re- <laughs> renamed him later Old Man River. And this morning at 2.30 in the morning, he passed away. And Aww. he was just the best. I got I just got to I just got to memorialize this because one day when I want to go back and I want to go remember this moment, he was the best hamster I have ever met in my life. This guy old, we called him Old Man River because we actually got him a, a log cabin and he freaking loved this log cabin. He loved it. Uh, and I, I'm going to just share, share my screen real quick. Um, and listeners, if you don't like this, you can skip it and that's fine. This is, I got it. This is for Bambi. Okay. This is for Bambi. This, this is his, him and his Aww. log cabin. I mean, he, 
loved this log cabin. And uh, he he had so much fun. He, he loved his ball. He would roll around the house all the time. And uh, he would routinely, he was a neat freak. He would he would put all the waste in this one little corner of his of this glass terrarium, and and then he would unpack everything out of the cabin and then throw the trash away and then repack it with fresh packings. I mean, this guy, this guy was amazing. Wow. He was so nice. Never been any of us. He would crawl and just lay on my chest and and um, he it was just amazing. Uh, he 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 was amazing, and I lo- I loved him so much. He was a lot of fun. We had him for like three years. We fed him fresh vegetables. And he lived longer than any hamster I've ever seen live. And I just wanted to sh- sh- shout a little ode out to Bambi, Old Man River. We called him Old Man River because he would come out of his cabin and then he would stretch his arms and his legs. And he looked like an old man coming out of a cabin <laughs> in the woods. And I just wanted to, to to read this text because I wasn't there, but my my wife was. And uh, she said at 2, 2.50 a.m. this morning, she knew he wasn't feeling well. She stayed up. She said... Um, Old Man River came out of his cabin and let me know he wasn't feeling well. I picked him up, and we had a nice snuggle. Curled up in my hand, close to my heart, he peacefully crossed the Rainbow Bridge. Rest in peace, Bambi. So, he was a loved he was a loved hamster. I know it has nothing to do with construction tech, but, um, you know, if you have a house and you have animals, you love all of them. So, rest in peace, Bambi. I love you. Let's move on, and we're going to have a lot of fun talking with Lee, because he's got a really fascinating story. He has, I think he... I think he gets the record for the most number of jobs before starting a company of any guest I've ever had on the show. Congratulations. That, Thank you. I, I'll take it. I, I, think, I, think you have, I think you have the record. And so we're going to say he has a lot of wonderful life experience, a diverse background. Uh, you know, We're going to talk about it. And, and Lee, we're going to get into talking about your company. We're going to talk about Pixley. That's pixley.ai. So if you want to if you're listening or you're watching at your desk and you wanna you wanna go in and um, uh, look for so just go to pixley.ai and you can read read about it while we're talking. We're gonna get to Pixley, but let's go back back in time. You actually studied advertising in college, is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Um, I went to Holy Cross and then I joined the Navy. The Navy brought me to San Diego and I always uh, I always liked to draw. I always liked art as a kid. My dad was a creative director and I kind of followed his footsteps. And so, yeah, I, I, I started off with a career in advertising when uh, Macs were just coming out, the first version of Photoshop's at Photoshop and Illustrator and, and PageMaker and, and all that stuff. Yep, that's correct. Yeah. And uh, you went in the Navy. So my, my great grandfather was a Navy pilot and uh, he was stationed in San Diego for quite some time. He flew PBYs awesome. in World War II and then he flew reconnaissance missions over the uh, over Alaska and the and the north. And of course, that little country just to the west of Alaska uh, <laughs> did some intel missions there. He, he, uh, he did submarine hunting during World War II, which was a really cool, a lot of cool stories of him hunting submarines down, calling in bombing strikes on the uh, in, in the in the South Pacific. And uh, and then uh, my father was stationed in San Diego, your town, when he joined the Navy as an enlisted uh, guy. He was a surface warfare. He was a firing control technician on a destroyer. Wow. And uh, he he was in the South Pacific as well. Um, it was right between Korea and Vietnam. So then I was a Navy midshipman. So I was a cadet in the Corps. Um, did not take a commission. I just did four years as a, as a Navy midshipman and a cadet. But um, you know, love the Navy. Uh, I just want to talk about what your mm-hmm. job was there, because this is, you know, it's it's Memorial Day, 
And just to re- remind everybody, Memorial Day is when we remember those that have that have that have fallen and passed on. Okay, so just remember the difference between that Veterans Day. It's when we we honor the people that are here versus the, we honor the people that have passed on. But it's always just good to talk about people's service because you serve the country. So what what you do in the Navy? Uh, yeah, thank everybody. Thank your family for your service, and thanks for being a midshipman cadet. That's awesome too. I was on the uh, USS Constellation CV sixty four, which is was uh, aircraft carrier. Uh, oh, America's cool. flagship, and actually um, spent most of my time as a damage control petty officer, as an enlisted guy. Yep. So um, if you're if you're in the Navy, you're on a ship, you have to know how to fight a fire. I mean, that's that's just all day, every day, one of the most important things to do to keep the ship afloat and to complete your mission. So in addition to that, you don't wait for something to break. Every nut, bolt, screw, everything on a ship has a planned maintenance system. And this is both, this is when computers were just starting. And so we, I would create these huge giant boards and detail out and manage the plan maintenance systems for everything in the supply department. So um, checking fire extinguishers, lights, watertight doors, um, testing all day, every day, in addition to just running drills you don't know what's right or real life or not. Yeah. It, it, it's fascinating. All the skills you have to learn when you're on a uh, floating island and uh, mm-hmm. you you know, sur- you know num- number one rule survive, right? Number two rule <laughs> yeah. only only the paranoid survive, right? And and so that's why it's all scheduled maintenance. And it's something I've learned in the last three years of getting my pilot's license and then getting through all my different ratings: instrument, commercial, multi. Getting into type ratings, I was out in, no- in November getting a type rating uh, in in uh, Carlsbad, and uh, everything's on a timed scheduled basis. Once you get in, into into uh, a higher, you know, more complex aircraft, it's all timed. It doesn't matter if it's broken or not, you're replacing it. <laughs> I mean, it's going and, uh, it, I, I've learned so much about, uh, good, effective maintenance. I mean, it's been a, a, a fascinating lesson. Um, and you also learn that, uh, it's better to spend a little bit more money up front, uh, than to have uh, disastrous consequences on the tail end. <laughs> and, uh, right, right. In, in particular when you're airborne, um, and, uh, and, uh, yeah. and, and pull and pulling yeah. over is not an option. Right. Uh, so it's it, right. it, it, a lot, a lot of great lessons that you learned in the Navy. I know my father got his trade. Uh, he was a firing control technician, ended up going to LSU after that and getting a degree in electrical engineering. Cause that's what they trained him in the Navy. Mm-hmm. Then had a, mm-hmm. a fantastic career building and building and selling companies all around engineering and ma- and making things. And so, uh, you know, the Navy, has taught more people <laughs> their profession than than yeah. uh, than you can shake a stick at, and uh, that's real. That's really cool beginning of the career. But then you you continued on through a bunch of interesting jobs in in marketing and sales. This is the part I think when, as you can imagine, I've been doing this podcast uh, with awesome people like Jonathan uh, for for a few years now. I think I think it's our fifth or sixth year and doing this, and um, I get a lot of a lot of startups call and a lot of people who want to start tech companies and construction call and, and want to talk. And, and I, mm-hmm. I, I always jump straight to sales and marketing because it, it's almost like they, um, a lot of them make the, 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 the mistake, a mistake or they make a false assumption that you're going to spend the majority of your money building the product. And that's actually not true. Um, cause I've built, a, I've built and sold a bunch of products, you know, and, um, I think I've, I think I'm at product number eight right now, three of which have been successes, five of which, uh, return capital, but I had to shut down because it just wasn't going anywhere. And that's, that's pretty typical, right? I mean, you're going to have a lot of ideas that don't work out, but sales and marketing is actually, in my opinion, kind of the hardest part because you're trying to package this thing properly and get into people's hands. 
and that's where most of the money goes. And so it's an interesting mm-hmm. background, and one I think w- works out pretty well for you. You had all these different sales and marketing, vice president of marketing, president of the iMarketers Association. You know, then you went into marketing and biz dev for Mako Labs, VP of sales and marketing for Raken, enterprise sales exec for Plan Grid, vice president of marketing for Abacus Next, chief growth marketer for Beyond Click. So you you've been very very busy across your career in sales and marketing. Um, was that just because of your advertising training and your father being a creative director at an ad, I'm guessing at an ad agency, did that, did that really turn you on to the sales and marketing life? Uh, that had a lot to do with it. So I love people. I'm a people person and I don't think selling is really selling. Selling is helping people get tools and things that they need to improve their lives or careers. And so when I had gotten out of the Navy and I was putting myself through advertising school, I was actually a telemarketer. And so I was fearless on the phone. I was making hundreds, if not thousands of calls a week. And then um, I enjoyed that. And I enjoyed helping people and winning deals and, and uh, some of the excitement and some of the money that came with that. So that's kind of how I went into more sales. But I enjoyed marketing and creating messaging and telling stories and, uh, and building things. And there's, you know, there's a Sales and marketing are, are very closely tied. Um, depending on the company and the situation, they might battle, but they're really trying to do the same thing and sometimes in different ways. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's kind of in my blood. Yeah, yeah, Lee, let's let's pause. I mean, you just hit, oh my goodness. That's like a topic we could do an hour discussion on uh, just right there, right? Okay. Uh, but we're not going to. <laughs> we're just going to do like two-minute interstitial here. The difference between sales and marketing, because it, there's, a, there's a surprising number of people who have a hard time with this. And here, here's how I try to explain it. And Lee, uh, you... You're, you're, you have just as much time. You have more time in grade in sales and marketing than I do. I, I say marketing generates demand and sales converts demand to revenue. Th- those are kind of like the marketing makes people want something and sales and, and, and identifies who they are, right? It, it makes people want something or it identifies people who want something and sales converts that demand into actual revenue. And those are very different skill sets. And if you don't have yes. a really good head of revenue, coordinating the two, they will collide and clash and the sales will complain that marketing is not generating enough leads and marketing will complain that sales yeah. can't close them. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. <laughs> you know, it can be a battle or it can be an awesome team. Right. 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 I see it all the time, you know, and then, uh, you know, sales guys, especially if they're highly compensated on commission, will do sometimes will do almost anything to get that sale. Yep. And they'll, Sometimes they'll um, have a habit of overpromising or doing things that maybe are unethical or not. No. Whereas marketing is really trying <laughs> to keep the brand polished and, and the story clean, right? And and generate leads, you know. And then during that whole lead funnel, you're trying to nurture and educate them. So by the time the sales rep asks for the sale, they're ready to buy. If the marketing team doesn't do a good job nurturing and educating those people, then the salesperson might be a little bit more more pushy and, and trying to message that and trying to get it across the table. If you can get them both to work closely together and have the same, um, speak the same language and, and, and focus on the same value prop, you go a lot farther. And the one thing that I love about construction, what, why I fell in love with it about six years ago with Raken is because you can't sell to construction people. Construction people, AEC people are no nonsense, no BS. Um, they're straight up, you know, they're really proud of the projects. They're proud of what they do. They love their country. They love their their passions, you know, whether it whether it's you know forging the earth to create steels or, or building <laughs> motorcycles or hunting or biking or surfing or whatever, but you can help them, you know, and they'll listen to you if you can help them save time or do better on a job. They'll they'll listen to you, but you can't just sell to them. Yeah, it's it's a it's it's a fascinating group. Uh, I started building software for construction 15 years ago, 
and uh, in immediately fell in love with the industry. <laughs> it was like, holy crap, where have yeah, you been my yeah. whole life? You know, I mean, it, uh, yeah. it. I met a group of people that made things every day and I saw a level of happiness with their careers and lives that I had not seen in in other industries. And, and, and I realized it's because they're fulfilling their destiny as humans to go forth and civilize and create and make and build, you know, you're bending the earth to your will. Right. It's just an, it's just an amazing industry. There's just, there's no, there's no, uh, there's no way around it. When you, when you look at something like that and you know, something that was a dirt lot and it turned into something amazing, it's, it's awesome. I mean, remodels are yeah. equally, remodels are equally as awesome. Uh, how, how did yeah. you just, did you just kind of happen to get into construction? Was it, was it, was it like a job posting and you never thought about selling in construction and then this opportunity came up with uh, raking or what, what was the story there? It's actually an interesting story. So um, I was first introduced to construction with, from note vault over 12 years ago. Yeah. Peter in San so Diego. A friend of my, yeah. Yeah. A friend of a friend of mine uh, and a mentor of mine was their first CTO and he was showing it to me over, over beers and how you could basically talk and do notes in a daily report. And I thought it was really interesting, but fast forward to that. I was working in a little office building by the beach down here that had like six offices and I was doing what's called um, uh, ad injection. So we would basically have these apps that would sit in your browser and it would, it would um, provide content in exchange for advertising. So quick example, and I'll tie this all in, is we had an app called Friends Checker. So you'd install Friends Checker in your browser, and it would tell you all the things Facebook didn't want you to know. Like you'd log in and say, oh, James unfriended you. Oh, Jonathan went from marriage to divorce. And it was, so <laughs> we were getting tens of thousands of new users a day and, and uh, almost kind of printing money. And we created about 20 different versions of apps like that that didn't have a lot of value, but we're getting, I mean, I was getting like 300,000 new users a day. Now, 40% of them would turn the next day because they didn't see value in the app. But next door uh, was Raken, and it was just three guys. And two of those guys were people I had worked with previously at Mojo Pages, which was a competitor to Yelp. And they're like, hey, Lee, come over here and check out what we're doing. We can use some marketing help. And I'm like, what are you guys doing? It's a daily report. It's a smart PDF. I'm like, that's that's interesting. And so I gave them some advice. I'm like, you got to do paid search. You got to do app store ads. You should probably be calling on every single person you know that downloads the app and really have like a high touch customer success since it's really early. Um, influencers is probably something you want to look at. And they thought that was great, but they didn't have the manpower or resources to do it. So they hired me as a consultant to do it. And then I set all those campaigns up and I started listening in on demos and I started calling some of the leads too. And they're like, yeah, man, this is the greatest thing ever. It's saving me an hour a day. I'm paying for it myself. And I was like, wow, these guys are onto something. So here's construction. Here's, here's this uh, construction tech startup. Customers love it. They're paying for it, right? Um, I see the opportunity. And here on the other side, my day job is I'm, I'm getting hundreds of thousands of new users a day, but there's no value. I'm getting some pretty wicked customer support emails. I'm making great money and, it, and it's fun. And the data is amazing. I have Tableau figured out for with like a thousand different cohorts in a, in a million different directions. But um, I looked at what I was doing and what I was spending my time on. And, and um, I wanted to work in companies and software that actually provide value that benefits people and helps your lives. And so that's that's when I fell in love with that industry. And um, some of those early customers are, are personal friends of mine now. And it, it's awesome. I think you and James touched on something that's really cool about the construction industry and also lets you know when you have winning a, a winning solution is when the guys in the field buy it themselves, you know, because yeah. they will. If, if, if you have a real tool that's going to get some traction, that's really going to help them, they'll buy it themselves because it makes their life easier. And you know, construction, as much as it's 
construction is difficult. It's a difficult environment. And, and, and so anything that really helps, you know, an extra 20 bucks a month doesn't bother me one bit as long as I'm helped each day, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Jonathan, you have a wonderful follow-up on this. Yeah. You know, I, I was looking through Pixley and I'm like, you know, when you guys, you said this is, you said this was a little bit of your COVID project even, what was the solution you guys were looking to solve with Pixley? What were you looking to go out there and get done? Uh, saving time, pain, and energy documenting project progress. It's also an interesting story. So you didn't go through my longest uh, resume background history of all time. But in between all those things, I actually mentor uh, startups through a group called Connect and San Diego Venture Group. And that's where I met my co-founder. And he, uh, he's an architect. And he had to go out and do photo surveys. And so a photo survey is, you know what a photo survey is, right? You're taking yeah. photos of a project and, and he would have to spend hours doing that. He'd go back to his desk, upload them to a, a, a server, move them around, organize them, downloads the ones, download the photos he wants to address, mark them up in PowerPoint and send them out. To this day, there's enterprise ENR 400 companies and thousands of companies that still do that. It's a giant time suck. And I, ver- I, I have solid market validation that this is still a problem. So I went out and um, talked to some of my customers from, from, from Raken and other companies that I've helped and asked them how they're, doing, how they're doing photos. And these are people that have every software solution in the market, but yet they're still doing the same thing I just described. Um, so we knew we had a fit for that. So ultimately, it's about saving time. Uh, collaborating around photos in in real time. So I could take a photo on my phone right now and you could be in Japan and see that photo in real time. We could both annotate on it and and take notes and and share it and and do punch lists and to-dos. I really like the sharing aspect of it. I really like that because when you talked about what the problem statement was, you know, allowing people to share it right away really adds value. Because if you're if you're having to take it back, that huge workflow that you discussed, you're you're really by the time you're done with that, you don't want to share it. You just want it documented and put away in the server and I will, I will come back to it or get shared to just the person that needs to go fix it, not with the other people involved with the project. I think that a lot of solutions attempt that, but, but really I, I see the problem is not a lot of networks are forming around it. So I really hope you get some traction and build some network because I like that. It's, it's kind of like an Instagram or a Snapchat for, for the construction problems. You know what I mean? Yeah, thank you. I mean, the way I describe it to people in the industry is out. It's like if Google Photos, Instagram, and Slack had a baby for construction, that would be Pixly. Yeah. So we make it just really easy to snap, tag, and share photos in, in, a, in real time on, on your mobile device, but we also have a powerful backend. And then those tags are basically create data and, and analytics. So you'll be able to compare one project against another for who had the most safety incidents, right? Or RFIs or, or, or what have you. Um, and then the bigger, the big vision is we're working on an Android version. We'll be doing video. We will be doing 360. I'm intimately familiar with the 360 space. I've spent over a year helping a pretty large company go to market with that. And I think it's amazing technology, but it's still too early for the majority of, of companies in the business, the GCs and, and otherwise. It's also complicated, right? So our vision is to align our 360 technology with the technology coming out in the iPhone with LiDAR. But right now, we solve pain right now. So we have a couple big customers right now. We're, our, we got our MVP in the app store a couple months ago. So we're working closely with a few early adopter customers. I haven't turned on the full-on marketing engine yet, but it, that'll be coming soon and that'll be really exciting. So I, I, I got to ask because, you know, I cover this space pretty heavily. 
Yes, sir. Uh, I'm going to mention competitors, but I, yeah, I, you don't have to talk about your competitors, okay? But I, I, I got, I got to mention the space because you, you know, we've had folks from Photo N sure. and SmartVid. You have, you know, Holler Builder. You, 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 there's, there's a, there's a lot of folks out there doing, you know, image documentation, whether it's 360s video or photo, or, or combining it with scans. And um, there's a lot of work going on in machine learning to auto tag instead of having to manually tag, just to recognize the objects and auto tag. Yep. I mean, there's a lot going on in this sector because image image documentation has been a major weak underbelly for construction for a long time. Because you know, most construction companies that that uh, we talk to, and I'm sure Jonathan uh, has experienced this as well on the consulting front, uh, they take a bunch of pictures and throw them in a share folder and never look at them again. They don't organize them, they don't tag them, they don't. A lot of photos just exist on people's phones or in their computers. They're not centrally managed. I mean, so it's a it's still to the year 2021. Photo and video and 360 documentation is still a poop show in construction. All right, so it's lots of <laughs> yeah. lots of opportunity, but also there's a lot of solutions on the market. Not to mention the large solutions like Procore and BIM 360, who also handle photos. Right? I mean, they they're not being left out yeah. here, and so there there's a yeah. there's a lot going on out there. How are you differentiating yourself? What are you doing? Because this is a big deal in sales and marketing. Uh, is yep. is I, you know I, what we call because we use EOS to run our business uh, our three uniques the three things in combination with each other that make us absolutely unique from everybody else on the market. What what what's what's your unique? What makes you really different than all these other other players out there? Yeah, we're photo first. We're incredibly simple to use. You don't have to put uh, a 3D60 camera on your hard hat and press a button every time you take five steps. Anybody can use it with limited training and you don't need any extra equipment. So um, there's a reason that our domain is .ai too, right? Of course, I want the .com and that'll come in time, but it's .ai because we will, we are working on machine learning and AI so we can automatically do image recognition. But also, um, you know, a lot of com- people are taking photos, they might leave the job site. And what you mentioned about um, photos being all over the place and a a poop show, we could say poop show. Yeah. So, so if you're a large GC, you're going to do whatever your superintendent wants. So for example, I know of a very large GC that has 3000 projects. And so they have many different superintendents and project managers on each of those projects and they use whatever software they want. Some of them have BIM 360, some of them have plan grid, some of them have rake and some of them they're, they're mixed up all over the place. Right. Which means your photos are all over the place too. So one of the things that's on our product roadmap is to ingest all photos from all sources. So we're like the single source of truth for photos. So 10 years from now, when that lawsuit comes up, you're not like going through 10 different software solutions or platforms trying to find it. You could do a search by project, by person, by tag. It'll instantly instantly come up. That's that's a big part of it. But it's really about the collaboration. Sorry. Yeah, I know. And, and th- this is one of those funny things about product is that... Um, you know, when you when you get into starting a company, you can be really simple and really easy to use. And then your users get their hands on your software. And <laughs> then they start putting in these things called feature requests. And, and, yeah. and inevitably, you have to trade power for simplicity, right? This is like a really complicated... And the art to product management is keeping a product as simple as possible while bringing the yeah. power that your customers want to it. And many customers will try and uh, hold you up and say, well, I'm not going to sign up until you have this. And then you're like, oh my gosh, I got to go build that. Mm-hmm. So you go build the feature. And then they're then the only ones who use mm-hmm. it, right? But it's still, but it complicated. And then you, at the end of the day, you end up with like a, like a 50 item ribbon bar. And not that I'm talking about any software companies out there that have a 50 <laughs> item 
Oh, ribbon bar. Who could that be? Um, who could that be with fifty <laughs> items on the ribbon bar? But but you, that's what you end up with because you you have this, and then and then and then you have to like create a simplified version of your product that uh, that eliminates all the ribbon items because you built all the stuff in. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a it's a nutty business, right? It's a nutty business, and then your mm-hmm. your customers get used to what you've built, and they don't want you to to change it or resimplify mm-hmm. it because you've already built it. Now now you have this burden of legacy. So how, mm-hmm. how do you, how, mm-hmm. how are you going to add power and keep it simple on photos? I mean, what's, what's the, what's the, cause, cause at the end of the day, you need construction workers to, to spend as little time on this as possible. Right. Like ideally if, right. if, if you're successful, people are in your right. app a very short period of time. Yeah, that's correct. So, I mean, I know a lot of VDC guys who have said, look, my job is to save my, my team minutes a day. So saving minutes a day compounded across teams across the country or even or even small teams makes a big difference. So you literally just pull out your phone and start taking photos. So I went on site with some former customers and, and friends of mine. I said, show me how you document your, your, your projects. And so I went to a pretty, pretty big government building downtown um, and, a, and, a, and a pretty big hospital downtown. They unlocked the door and they start just taking photos. They're walking through every nook and cranny, every room, every office, every bathroom, taking photos. And it took them over two hours on average. And these, again, these are guys that have all the software that's probably been on the site, all the big tier software that and many of them have photo as one of their features, but they're not photo first, right? So it's somewhere buried in that 30 ribbon bar. And you might be mm-hmm. taking one or two or three photos, but we're like photo first, detail that photo, collaborate on that photo, solve the problem that you've identified with that photo all in real time. Yeah. And then, yeah, yeah, I, I hear you 100% on, you know, on customer requests and, and features and trying to keep things simple. So it's really field first, photo first, but we will have a robust back end where people can upload tags, run analytics and, and everything else, compare projects. So Jonathan, you've got an interesting pivot here on another potential yeah. use for this. Yeah, because, you know, when I looked at your product, your product, I went simplicity too. I, 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 I was the CTO of a company and the, the reason that you could easily implement is something was simple enough that I can just give it to somebody and they can go. So, I mean, right. I, I, I saw that you worked with PlanGrid. PlanGrid versus, versus some of their competitors, PlanGrid was more simple. It had less buttons. It had less features. So it was easier to implement on a job site. And when I looked at yours, I said, you know, I really love this, but I don't so much love it for construction where everything's tied to a plan. I love it for facilities maintenance and for service where the same problem exists, but there's not the need to tie it back to a plan because I see that as like, you know, he mentioned a number of competitors. If you look through them, I would say if you're photo first, they're plan first. They have the plan, the PDF, yeah. and they try to tie their the photo of the PDF. I feel like service and um, service uh, facilities maintenance don't have that worry. Have you started to look at them as like potential clients? Because I really feel like you're you're suited for that market. Yeah, we actually have some early customers that are in FM. Yeah, we we saw that niche too, and they actually found us and sought us out as well. And then, you know, I really want to focus on the AEC and FM, but there's, uh, we, we actually have some great IP and around how we do our tagging on photos and, and sharing. So there's other industries as well. Insurance. I mean, I'm talking to the government about a special program to, to basically do, how do you, how do you track preventative maintenance? Here's the 34 number of fan in this F16 engine that needs to be replaced before and after photos. But 
Yeah, there's definitely a fit for FM. There's definitely a fit for services. We have some um, some landscaping businesses that are starting to use us. Um, facility management's definitely definitely a fit. Uh, we do have syncing to photos on our roadmap as a feature option. It doesn't have to be baked in for all users, but that is a number one request for sure. Did I see a geolocation on your photos to tell you which job site you're on? We, yes, we do. So you can have a project and then you can, within that project, you can have certain albums and you can control who has access to those albums. And we track with a pin basically where those photos were taken. So if you haven't been to that job site before, you could press a button and get there via Google Maps. That's beautiful. Thank All right, you. let's talk. Let's wrap up our conversation before we jump in the news. Let's wrap up by talking about the future. You, you talked about LIDAR, of course. You know, w- everyone's pretty excited about how you'll see how busted mine fell. And by the way, that's, that's, how, that's how rugged the iPhone is. This is one of my big complaints, right? Yeah. yeah. But you've got LIDAR on phones now. It's good LIDAR, right? Like I've tested the snot out of this, and I'm very happy with it. And you've got LIDAR on iPads. And you mentioned LIDAR and you mentioned machine learning. So what's the future of photos and, uh, and using mobile devices for uh, reality capture? Yeah, I mean, so the, the future is making it super simple to have capture reality. So it looks like Google private street views wherever you're going. Um, you had mentioned a previous company, uh, Cupix. I introduced you guys to uh, Paul Collart, right? And so that's how I really got involved in the, in the 360 and understanding that space. But um, really, so everything is somewhat, and, and I'm friends with the guys at Imagion too. So merging photos, 360, AR, VR, all those things together. So it's more of an immersive experience. So you feel like you're actually there um, in, in a real meaningful way. So those photos can be better interacted with for, for tagging and for, and for data and for analytics at, the, at, the, at your fingertips at any time. Awesome. Sounds good. So uh, be- before we jump in, I just want to do a shout out since your first connection with construction tech was one is one of my first connections with construction tech in San Diego. That's Peter Lasinski at Note Vault. He's been a good friend of mine for many years. Peter was uh, fortunate enough to sell Note Vault um, to Bentley. Uh, that 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 release went out uh, June twelfth of two thousand twenty. So right mid pandemic, they sold their their voice note business, uh, Note Vault to uh, to Bentley Systems. So just a big shout out to Peter. He's been a good friend. Uh, of mine for for a long time. I'm I'm excited for him and their their uh, their sale over to uh, to Bentley, and uh, just just worth noting uh, what he was able to build uh, around voice that I, I thought was just spectacular. So uh, Lee, I'm I'm sure that you'll appreciate what happened there. Absolutely, sure do. Yeah, congrats to Note Vault and anybody else that has success helping this industry. Yeah, awesome. Uh, and of course, he was about contractors first. I think that's why he was successful. He I mean that's end of the day mm-hmm. he he knew a lot about construction and he loved contractors. It still does. Still loves them. So let's move on to the news. Before we do, uh, just the second half of a conversation I had with Roger Yarrow, CEO of True Look, about their construction cameras. I'm back here with Roger Yarrow, General Manager and COO at True Look. Tell me about the low latency video of these cameras. Yeah, this is my uh, favorite thing that's come as, out as a result of the new platform. Uh, over the history, True Look's sort of been at the forefront of video. We went from frame-by-frame imagery over 3G to now a HD, almost near real-time experience over cellular uh, with our cameras. And what this lets us do is engage just like we are now in almost near real-time with our job site. You can track vehicles, uh, you can interact with people on site, you can really experience being there uh, and working on your job site when you're remote. So really getting that latency down to just one or two seconds maximum 
really increases people's engagement. Uh, and and video is the number one feature people use. And what and what you're really bringing is the all the features and functionality and technologies we're used to in the consumer market to an industrial grade product designed for the job site, right? Yes, absolutely. There are definitely off the shelf consumer products uh, that people try to use on their job sites, but you need something that's going to last six months, six years, whether you're building, you know, a small convenience store to a major hospital, you're going to need something industrial that's going to handle everything that gets thrown at it, be it weather or job site trauma, which is pretty common. So uh, we build a robust product. So if you want to learn more about TrueLook, what should they do? Where should they go? Yeah, absolutely. Just go on over to TrueLook.com and we'll take care of you for there, from there. Feel free to give us a call. And then also don't forget for all you contact crew listeners, we are offering 25% off our best fixed 4K IR camera. So it's a great camera and a great deal for all of you. And um, we'd love to help you out. Roger, thanks for being on the show. Great. Thanks, James. And we're back. Jonathan Marsh, Steel Toe. Tell me what you got on the news, buddy. Oh, dude. Um, so I, I put out an article on how they're helping swarms of drones yeah. to not run into one another or objects. And, and the reason this is important is like, you know, we talked about LIDAR for a second and LIDAR is becoming smaller and lighter, right? And if I can get three or four drones in an area and I know where they are, I can do triangulation now. And now these little drones can be able to triangulate locations for me and all of these other things. And what really turned me on about the article is this is one of the first articles that addresses the underlying problem with a lot of navigation is predictive AI. You, you don't need to just know where you are. You need to know where things are going to be. And this is one of the first articles that kind of underline and say, hey, listen, the predictives are working. We're working them with swarms of drones. And if you look at all the other things that this ties into, I mean, this is a little bit of research, a little bit of movement on a subject that's really going to change technology. If we can get prediction down, now we can send out. Now we can send out our skid steer to go grab us for something. We can send out. We can send out those robots that that are having a hard time on the job site because our job sites are full of people and toolboxes and rebar and people drop stuff. You know the the it, it for me is one of those like those gold standards of technology when we can get to the day where I can send out a drone or swarm of drones to go capture my job site and bring it back to me or stay on my job site and tell me where things are. That's, I need that. I need to have that before, before I retire from the industry, this must happen. So geek factor, <laughs> geek factor 10. Oh, come on, man. It, it, you have to love it. I mean, you have I mean, to love it. I, I mean, it, 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 you, you know, look, a lot of haters out there. I don't want a drone swarm on my job site. Okay. Come on, man. Current, cur come on. Don't, Look at the possibility, and it's about time, right? Everything yeah. in construction is about time. Yes, you have material variability, but time, 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 time. And if you can capture the entire job site in a single 10-second interval, why wouldn't you want to? I mean, and in particular with how small, lightweight, and low-cost these drone swarms are, I mean, it... it that's what's really made all this possible, Jonathan, has been the miniaturization of sensor technology and the cost reduction in sensor technology, motors, and lithium polymer batteries that oh, yeah. power a lot of this stuff has made it possible. Yep. I mean, to think about it, you can go get a DJI drone controlled by their platform for like 70 bucks. Yeah. Like the Tello is like 70 bucks. Yeah. And you can fly it around anywhere. And, you know, that it, it's just 
you know, from my standpoint, I really want them to triangulate so we can build cool point clouds. But there's all, again, all this other stuff with navigation is, is, is where the market needs to go if we want to really start using robotics on, on our job sites. Yeah, so and, that, and one, talking, that one made me over and, the moon. And, and it's not, yeah, exactly. And it's not just job site documentation for apps like Lee's, right? It's, it's also job site security. Yep. I mean, you, you can use drone swarms for, for security. You can also do marshalling drone swarms where like half of it drops out to recharge while the other half is in the air and you just constantly have drones in the air. And, yep. and you know, hmm. the really small drones are really quiet. And that's just the smaller the blades are. That's the really nice thing is you're not dealing with noise, but, but you can, you can do real time capture uh, a swarm. And th- this stuff just is like sci-fi level stuff because 10 years ago, if you told me we'd have drone swarms doing fireworks displays, I'd be like, you're nuts. And, and now, now it's a common thing. And, 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 and you, you can do reality capture instead of doing a, a crosshatch pattern, or you're doing a, a, you know, an out and back like drone deploy does, or, you know, there's a lot of different um, capture patterns you can do. You can literally just deploy the entire swarm. It captures it all instantly, and then it stops. And and so it's 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 really it's really pretty amazing. You can also do 3D capture, so you can actually deploy a drone swarm in a vertical and horizontal 3D map around the building, so you can capture a 3D object simultaneously at that exact moment in time. I mean, it's just it's just nutty. It's nutty. My last geek <laughs> statement on this is: I I've been in plumbing or or piping for most of my career, and there are giant underground pipes that have no maps whatsoever because it's a pain in the butt to, to cam them. And as soon as the drones get small enough to fly down there, we're going to be able to map out the entire sub-level of a city in no time at all. And, and yeah. I, those are like, I, I don't know, I'm also a drone geek. I can't help it. I, yeah. I, I just love love drones to death. Yeah, and we, uh, we, we reported on one last week that's a beyond visual line of sight that has a little, it's in a ball. So, yeah. that, so that if it runs into things, it just kind of rolls down. I mean, so there, the, the, that's coming. I mean, the, the ability for it to get smaller and smaller and fly and then fly down and then roll. Um, that, yeah. that this is not this is not science fiction anymore. It's science reality, and, and I'm, I'm sure Lee is going to be probably already is processing drone photos. I mean, why 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 wouldn't you? I mean, that's a yeah. It's a it's a big source of yeah, photos right on the now. job site. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it makes sense. What you got next, Jonathan? Well, um, this one kind of ties back to it, but the reason I put it in there is Forbes finally did an article on computer vision and they said, listen, it, this is ready to be invested in. And if you guys don't realize that computer vision is the next big game changer, maybe get on board. And the reason I included it was twofold. Okay. One is I, I have my swarm of drones. Now I need computer vision to help me understand the things they see. You know what I mean? And then b- beyond that, right now I see a lot of people, you know, everybody's talking about investing in cryptocurrencies and the blockchain. How are we going to do our investments now in this new era? And I think, yeah, I think you can overlook like the technology jumps, the technology changes that are going on. And computer vision is one of the biggest ones. So Forbes did a nice little article on that. I like it. I think it explains it very well. And it kind of opens it up to say, listen, this is something that could be as big as the internet. And when I say could be, I really believe that computer vision will slowly overtake a number of markets. It will overtake you know, laser scanning and, and the way we organize photos and all of these other things. Even tracking, I think, at some point will go computer vision. So I, I just wanted to put that out there that even some of the larger economic uh, you know, econ magazines are are focusing in on that subject. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, worthwhile to look at. I mean, I think that computer vision severely disrupts the large expensive laser market in yep. a big way, uh, because as uh, largely as megapixel um, ratings of cameras go up, 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 you get higher and higher resolution. 
John, I, I really believe we'll have gigapixel cameras on our on our mobile devices, which they're amazing. They're kind of like a fractal. You can infinite you can almost infinitely zoom on those type of images. And and you end up with just incredible resolution. One of the reasons the other thing that has to change is we have to have dramatically higher amounts of storage to to store all those images. So computer vision depends on storage continue to continuing to escalate exponentially. It also depends on the uh, the actual optical sensors to continue to get better and smaller and cheaper. Um, so the higher the resolution, guess what? The better the photogrammetry is going to be, the mathematical formula. Of course, all this is math, right? All yeah. this stuff. Drone swarms, photogrammetry. Mm-hmm. There is an incredible amount of math. If you didn't study math because you hated it, you're in a you're in a you're in a future of your nightmares because this is all mathematics. <laughs> and, and you pointed out something really important, James. This is a disruptive technology in yeah. a very real way. It's going to mm-hmm. disrupt a bunch of people that are sitting on the sidelines, and and they're going to be like, "What what happened? Mm-hmm. Where, where where did?" Where did my blockbuster store go? I don't know what's going on. You know, I lost. <laughs> buy my fifty thousand. <laughs> buy my fifty thousand dollar laser. No, I've got an iPhone with a gigapixel camera and lidar. Like it's it's yep. it's, yeah. There's still going to be room for lasers. I'm not saying lasers are going away. No, I'm just won't. saying that a lot of things that we use them for now are not necessarily necessary. Yeah. Anymore, and mm-hmm. uh, it's it's awesome. So uh, I, I did I did find one more article. And and this is a poor one out. And and, and I know you'll identify, James, because I've seen you on stage. But we need to this article is pour one out for these weird wearable pieces of of technology that totally failed. Yeah. And the reason I'm on there probably should have been the pebble, which I really liked, but actually I was on there for the power glove, the NES power glove, which when I got as a kid, I was like, this is the future. This is the future. I'm gonna wear. <laughs> wearable technology to play my games. Then there's this gap of 20 years before I start seeing my hands in video games again. You know, I mean, it's just been the last couple of years. So I, I've been, you know, a casual early adopter of wearable technology my entire life. And, and so I just feel, you know, so many of these were such a cool idea that just wasn't ready yet. They talk about, I don't know if you ever saw it, but there was a wearable television back, you know, all... I can't remember the year it's in the article. You guys are going to have to look, but in order to use it, you had to have the battery in your back pocket. And it was like this big and you had to run it up through your arm. You know, you're talking a 12 by six battery, and then you can run your little, (laughs) little watch with a very, very small screen. Sounds like magic leap. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I, you know, I've been hating on magic leap for a few years now. And, and, uh, when when they when they rolled out, I thought of that wearable TV when they rolled out the hockey puck on your belt with the loop, and I'm like, oh god, have you seen Hollands? It's just one device on your head, and you're gonna yeah. put, oh, but it's for weight and balance. I'm like, bull crap, it's for weight and balance. You just can't figure out what they did. Like, don't 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 feed that to me. I mean, nobody wants cables running around their body. No, like nobody wants cables running around the body. You know what happens to cables running around right around your body in construction, Jonathan Marsh? They cause a they cause a serious safety issue. <laughs> is what they do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> oh, it can choke you, kill you, pull you down. I mean, nobody wants cables running around their body. Absolutely. I, I've seen safety guys come up and rip at the cables on a guy's outfit just to make sure they come off. Yeah. You know, you really, you really <laughs> can like, hurt yourself terribly badly. <laughs> it's such a, it's such a bad, I mean, they did two things. You have this company. And I, I'm sorry. I just got to hate for just a second. Okay. <laughs> Because you know, it's not like I, it's not like I'm friends with the founders. They're like a small little, they, you know, they've burnt, you know, of course, their founder's gone now. But yeah, South Florida company, 
And and they roll out two, they, and they target industrial and construction, right? And they do two things. They cut off your peripheral vision so you can't see anything but in front of you because they're like bug eyes, no peripheral vision. And then they, they put cables around your body running to your belt that don't have like a magnetic quick detach, right? So it, it'll literally yank the entire apparatus yeah. off your head and hurt you. I mean, I'm like, this is not made for an, it just, just call it a gaming system and stop, yeah. you know? Like, yeah, oh, dad, gummit. Oh. I gotta say, all of the things that you mentioned, I I, fa- I I was I was overjoyed when the new Hololens came out, and it was it was I was like, this is ready for construction. Yes, this yes. is ready to yes. go. I can actually yes. use this. Yes, <laughs> you know, battery lasts. It comes with a hard hat if you buy it from Trimble. You know, I mean, it's like this is ready to be used. Yes, Jonathan, I got trivia for you or Lee. Okay. Lee, Lee, Jonathan and I are all in the same generation. So, uh, first person to answer wins. You cannot use Google. Okay. Don't use Google. Okay. <laughs> so you mentioned the NES power glove. Yahoo. No, 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 no. What movie featured the rollout of the NES power glove? I'll, I'll, I'll just give me the movie bonus points. Give me the year. Wizard? Don't you. Back to the future. The wizard. 1989. The wizard. Jonathan Marsh. You always amazed me and you just did it again. So they if you do you remember the scene in The Wizard when they brought the power glove in? Yes. Yes, I do. It's like on stage. And they had to figure out how to use it, right? Like right there. And they got I got the power glove. You know, I mean it was I mean I mean the guy, yeah, the guy I got the power glove. I mean, and I remember my friend. I think I think one of my friends had the power glove, and I'm like, "This is amazing, right?" Oh, dude, it was. And they had the was, gun for awesome. Duck Hunter. Remember the gun for Duck yeah. Hunter? I had the pad where you would do the the sports on the little game. They yeah. would roll out the pad on the floor. That yeah. whole thing. Yeah. But Lee, just so you know, Lee, I cheated. I worked in a video store back in those days, <laughs> so so I, I do all the videos from like you know that one with that guy, and I could go, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I know which one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's got he's got AI for this, otherwise known as his brain. Uh, so uh, anyway, let's That's let's okay. let's, move, works. let's move on. We have we have some great thank you, Jonathan. I just love, love your news articles. This is the best. Ah, so much fun. Um, let's let's move on. Uh, so th- this is we all I, I like bringing in things that aren't software, right? Uh, and this is from phys.org, phys.org. Innovation pioneers score world first for sustainable construction with graphene concrete. And if you haven't studied graphene, this stuff is amazing. It's either going to be the 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 savior of humanity or the end of us. It's, I can't figure out one of the two. Like maybe if we ingest graphene, it's going to rip our insides apart. I'm not sure exactly where graphene is <laughs> going to take us. But graphene is is um, you can do graphene nanotubes as well, which mm-hmm. are these really crazy strong structures. Graphene is like it's super super thin and really lightweight and incredibly strong. So it's a it's a dream for all kinds of structures and devices. Dream for airplanes too, if you think about it, because you know. It, Airplanes strive on being really strong and flexible, so strong, flexible, and lightweight. And so there's a lot of things that really, really benefit from this potential. And um, this was a, a recent announcement uh, that was made, and um, construction firm Nationwide Engineering will make a piece of history Tuesday, 25th of May, which happened this week, as it completes the laying of the world's first graphene concrete slab engineered for sustainability. All right, so this new material is strengthened by about 30%. It's a 30% stronger concrete slab because yep. they they used graphene uh, as a mix to actually strengthen it, and um, it it also reduces the CO two emissions. It's pretty incredible. They added tiny amounts of graphene, right, which is what we just talked about, 
and uh, and and it with a much stronger slab. Which, uh, as you know, if you have not seen a failed slab, it is bad news. Mm-hmm. You know, cracking, bowing, bending. I mean, all the things that happen in Central Texas. We have we have really porous clay soil. It's just a nightmare for asphalt and concrete, and so you have to do all kinds of things mm-hmm. to engineer slabs to make sure they don't snap, crack, or pop. Um, you want that out of your cereal, not your slab. And so uh, it, it's a it's a neat innovation, Jonathan. I'm sure uh, I'm I'm sure this is a, 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 a an exciting one for you too. So the last time I was on your show, James, you talked about concrete made from moon uh, yes. moon dust. Yeah. So like I feel like you have a, a love affair with concrete, but this, this is great. Um, graphene's being used like across the board as. The, you know, I, I kind of think about it as an extra for rebar, you know, because these are still reinforced, but yep. they're also using graphene as a micro, you know, yep. and in, in additive, you know, when you start looking at additive um, concrete where you're 3D printing concrete, one of the biggest problems was stiffening concrete enough to make it structurally sound, but keeping it light. So I would be really interested to see if they can, they can sort of work the two together so that we're, we're, we're doing additive with concrete with the gra- with the graphene in it. Yep. Um, but it was a cool article. I had not seen that come out, but James, I really do think you may, you may love concrete. Too I, I, I do. You know, love I concrete. mean, I, I feel like you're a concrete addict. Pay paradise, put up a parking lot. Ooh, bop, bop, bop. I mean, that's like my, my personal theme song. I need to learn that one. I've learned a lot of songs recently on uh, guitar and piano. Of course, you know, I've, I've been in like a, a hobby palooza yeah. um, uh, since COVID hit and uh, I'm not letting it slow down. And uh, I'm going to do that one because that, that would be an appropriate song every time I talk about concrete is to bring <laughs> up Pay Paradise. Um, <laughs> but, but, you know, con- concrete is an amazing, uh, amazing structure. So let's move on. Uh, this is a company we've had on the show uh, numerous times, been to their events, DeWalt. Uh, upping the battery game again. We call it the battery wars. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's the battery wars. I tell you what. It really um, is. <laughs> it's, uh, so DeWalt is up in the game, or sorry, they're amping it up. Oh, gosh. Oh, oh. God. <laughs> you actually did that? Oh, Come oh, on. Dad. I'm a dad. I'm a dad. I did, I, I've got five. I'm sending a fine in the mail. I've got, fine, I got five million dad jokes always available. So DeWalt <laughs> announces a 15-amp-hour battery. And uh, the largest battery I've got personally right now is a 9-amp-hour battery. And uh, this is a this is a big deal. Uh, it's the latest. They say they're the latest in the game with the release of the first. This is from Construction Junkie. So big big shout out to Shane Hudmoons over Construction Junkie for this one. Fifteen. This is crazy. Fifteen amp hour, eighteen volt battery. It's actually a flex volt. Uh, so they have their twenty sixty flex volt that they do, <laughs> and uh, it'll power the yellow tools to twenty volt, the sixty volt tool brands. Uh, just just uh, pretty amazing to see this much power. Uh, th- it's going to weigh a lot though. So it's a four and a half pound battery. It weighs $349. Yeah. Um, but you but remember with DeWalt's flex volt, like the thing that they talk about, that's pretty neat that flex volt, because they shotgun their it, it has a switch has like a mechanical switch in the battery that when it goes into a 60 volt tool, the 60 volt tool switches the battery. So it, it actually delivers 60 volts and it's in a 20 volt. It delivers 20. And that's why I call it flex volt because mm. it can flip back and forth without you having to like do anything. It just has a, a, a mechanical switch. And so when it when it comes in, um, 
they they can actually take two sixty volts a shotgun, so you can have one hundred and twenty volts on a battery powered tool, which uh, allows you. And remember, battery is actually a little more interesting than plugging it into a hundred and twenty yeah. volt connection into the wall because you get pretty much instant clean power directly to the power tool. And they, they've done a lot of demos to show that they can actually outperform wired power tools. Um, the difference with these large amp hours is, of course, the amount of time that it takes until it, you drain the battery. And yeah. so uh, there's all the, kind of challenges they face. I mean, the, the, why have they done this before? Well, you, 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 you deal with all kinds of stuff like heat and protection and fall. But there's a lot of engineering to this, but uh, it's pretty amazing. Jonathan? I, I would say this, man. I was sitting in an airport, and I'm about to get on a, a thing. And they're looking at my shirt, and it says construction on it. So we start talking to an electrical guy. And I said, so, yeah, I'm in technology. And he says, oh, I love technology. He says, I don't smell like gas anymore. I was like, what do you mean you don't smell like gas anymore? And um, the dude was, the dude talked to me and he was raving. He sounded like a preacher. I mean, he was raving about it. He's like, I used to have to go out. I used to have to fill up my gas power cutter. I used to have to do all this. He said, I come home smelling like gas. But since the battery war started, there are now replacements for all that. And I don't, I mean, I still use a chainsaw all the time and I smell like gas after the chainsaw. And now that we're getting up to, you know, this size of battery, maybe I can switch out and not have to smell like gas every day when I use my chainsaw. And that's why I'm not worried about the weight either. Because most of these big tools, the gas chamber that's holding the gasoline for them weighs so much that I'm still a win. I'm still a win. It's quieter. It stops instead. You start a chainsaw, man, it just sits there and it's on. So I, I love this. I love the battery wars. I hate to say that I would encourage them by like going back and forth, but the more batteries that, that are out there, the higher amperage, the less we have people smelling like gasoline. We have yeah. all of that, honestly, all of that pollution on our job sites that, that gasoline powered engines cause. So I'm, I'm huge, huge, huge uh, supporter of the battery wars. I, I think it, I think that uh, it's lovely to see DeWalt come out with something that has a little more horsepower because there are some tools again, that you can't get to without that power. And you remember know? that Milwaukee rolled out this crazy line of, I mean, a jackhammer that's battery powered. I mean, like yep. crazy stuff <laughs> yep. that you would say, this is never, like they're doing concrete saws, battery mm-hmm. powered. So yep. they have their line of like ultra high capacity, high power batteries that they they released a year and a half, two years ago. Um, and I was there at the at the media event yeah. when they released it. I was like, holy crap, that's in a, that's battery. And you think yeah. we're going to look back at the at ten years ago when everything was gas powered and say, "Man, we were Neanderthals, right?" Like it's like, <laughs> like you, you know, you were saying they were like, "I can't believe we ever used gas for that." Remember, a gallon of gas because most of these have a gallon tank, right? Yeah. Like if you look at like you, a you can have a gallon or more. Like I haven't seen one that has like a half gallon. You know, some maybe a weed eater would have a small residential, residential, other residential, residential. But, but one stroke know, engines. Yeah, yeah, but but a ga- but a gallon of gas is six pounds. <laughs> And this battery is four and a half. Yep. Okay, so just just remember that for reference sake that there there you know gas weighs a lot of uh, a, a lot and and so it's it's something to really think about. And Jonathan, it's 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 something hilarious. I mean, I smell like a, a, a fuel farm every time I come back from flying because I'm either pumping Avgas or Jet A. I mean, it is smelly. It gets on everything. You know, I mean, it, you you just smell like a fuel farm every time you 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 touch mm. the stuff. Even no matter how careful you are you're going to end up smelling like it. And it's also, uh, you know, it's a hazard, right? So there's a, yeah. there's, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of, a lot of, it always cracked me up 
when the traditional and they're still they're still they still do it but to a lesser extent the traditional auto industry was really furious that tesla came on the market and started really eating away at their market share and of course now they're trying to replicate everything tesla's doing but they fought it for a long time and they they would blow up every story of like a tesla having a crash and like pretend to even starting to catch on fire like batteries aren't safe i'm like you have a giant tank of gas cars blow up explode and and burn to the ground all the time and you're and you're trying to make a story up about people not feeling safe with batteries yeah i'm you're like you're nuts you you nuts you nuts last news story we got we got to wrap up uh alster this is pretty cool um, Balio selects Alster's digital LiDAR for its robotic forklifts. So that's right. For those of you who have uh, warehouses or fab shops and you want a robotic forklift, because why wouldn't you? This is, this is really neat. So uh, Alster provides high-resolution digital LiDAR sensors for industrial automation. And uh, what they're doing is uh, Balio, B-A-L-Y-O, and this is from LiDARnews.com, uh, they've been traditionally using 2D LiDAR for basic automation, they're now switching this to Alistair's 3D digital LiDAR. Uh, the new feature functionality, because this is what really matters. It's not about what chips are on. It's what the functionality is. 3D localization in complex surroundings. Smart and auto rearm, rearming 3D software to, to create a safety bubble around the robotic forklift. Because if you have a 3D LiDAR, you can do that. Navigation on routes and circuits. Energy efficiency. Remote monitoring. There's some really cool feature functionality that comes with 3D LiDAR. And so I just want to mention that, uh, you know, that of course, forklifts are a really big part of this industry and any any industry where you make things. And uh, Balio does uh, robotic forklifts, and they've now added 3D LiDAR to their robotic forklifts, which I think is super cool and amazing and will drive some uh, some pretty awesome, awesome utilization there. Jonathan? Uh, where's, where's my predictive? I mean, right. I, I got my swarm of drones. Now I, yeah. I want my... Sp- I want my swarm of forklifts for yeah. my shop so yeah. that I can go out there and get all my, I, I think this really does tie back into that. You know, what they're trying to do is use 3d LIDAR to extend, to make that bubble, to make yeah. it safer, to make it more effective. And and you have on the AI side, you have them saying, okay, we're also going to start making analytics that we can use to predict movement, to predict that guy that's walking through your shop and he's looking up at the ceiling and he's not paying attention and the forklift's coming back. If an operator's operating that forklift, every once in a while he hits that guy. But if if you get to the point where LIDAR's operating that forklift and where the predictives are good, I actually think it's kind of like the Tesla where you're going to have less accidents in yeah. your shop with automated equipment than even with normal people because normal people, you know, we get... We get distracted. So it's great to see that that they're doing that. I actually, I'm going to admit this. I have to dig in on the 3D LiDAR versus the 2D LiDAR because I, I, I need to understand now what, what the difference is a little yeah. more. Yeah. Uh, interesting. I, I got a new uh, new vehicle that has self-driving. Uh, it's a Cadillac with Super Cruise. Yeah. And uh, it got its first real safety test yesterday. I was driving down to Houston. Uh, correction, the car was driving me to Houston. Uh, it was on Interstate 10. It was in full super cruise mode. And some nutbag crosses three lanes of traffic and then slams their brakes on. And then, like, everybody in front of me just goes, and the car picked it up instantly. And an emergency brake, I mean, it kept it in the lane. I mean, it was it was amazing. I mean, it was amazing. This whole, it's like this massive, crazy thing happened right in front of me. And uh, I mean, I I was fine, you know. I I, I you know after it stopped the the vehicle, I took over and and uh, and and drove it and 
it was it was it was it was awesome. So I'm I'm a big fan of this tech and uh, excited to see it in the space. Lee, um, you're a gentleman and a saint. Uh, good to, good to talk to you. Uh, go Navy, beat Army, and uh, I I'm, I appreciate you being on the show today. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me today. I really enjoyed it. And uh, Jonathan Marsh, as always, uh, thank you for uh, providing your incredible insight and uh, always fun to uh, always fun to be on the show with you, brother. Great to be on, man. Thanks. It was nice to meet you, Lee. It was really nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. Thanks again. Yeah, and thank you out there in listener land for tuning in to Geek Out for episode 268. That's our interview with Mr. Lee Mills from Pixley. That's pixley.ai. To read all of our news stories, learn more about apps, workflow, and hardware, subscribe to our newsletter at jbknowledge.com or text contact to 66866. Big thanks to Jim Greenlee, our podcast producer, Kara Dalton, our creative producer, and Tish Stillin, our ad coordinator. To listen to this show, go to the show website at thecontactcrew.com. It's the Content Crew signing out. Until next time, enjoy the ride and geek out. Next.